Give Jesus some praise. Give him some praise. Make some noise. Hello, Newport. Oh, hello. Turn to somebody and say, all right, mash. Turn to somebody you know and say, all right, mash. Turn to somebody you don't know and say, all right, mash. Swansea Massive in the house. Give it up. So praise and worship team. Absolutely awesome. Awesome. Some of you remember I came up here last year and preached a message. It was a bit relevant. <laughs> so I asked the Lord. I said, obviously, Dave has uh, invited us up to speak, which is an honor. I just want you guys to know you, whether you've seen me before. Some of you have seen me before. Some of you may not have. But uh, this is just as much my house as it is yours. Just as much Emma's house as it is yours. I was saved under this ministry. I was brought up and educated under this ministry. I was baptized right here under this ministry. Where Ray didn't know me from Adam. He got up and spoke some words over me. He said, the Lord is going to raise you up. He's going to walk at a pace that he knows that you can walk at. He is going to raise you up to be a mighty hammer in his hand to smash the works of the enemy. Submit to my house. Submit to my word. And those words were spoken over me some nearly 10 years ago where Ray didn't know me from Adam. And here I stand today. Give Jesus some praise. Give him some praise. Because this is a point of what the Lord has given me to give you today. I have done nothing to get where I am in my calling today. All I've done is submit to the house, submit to his word, and follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. It's not complicated. When I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want to say to them? He said, tell the guys up in Newport... There is loads and loads. Notice I said loads. <laughs> There's loads and loads of work to be done. On, New harvest fields. So chill out. Rest and trust that I know my business. Not by might, not by power, but my, by my spirit, says the Lord. And in those last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Romans 8, 28 to 30. I'm reading from the Amplified. There's a reason I'm reading from the Amplified. We are assured and know that God... Being a partner in their labor. All things work together and are fitting into a plan for good 
two and four, those who love God and are called according to his design and his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, he also destined from the beginning, foreordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly in his likeness. That he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he thus foreordained, he also called. And those whom he has called, he has also justified, acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. If that doesn't get your fire burning, your wood must be damp. He also glorified, raising them up to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. Give Jesus some praise. <laughs> wonderful God. What a wonderful God. Over the years I've been walking with the Lord, I've heard over and over again the same questions. What is my calling? What am I meant to be doing? I can see heads nodding you. Where am I meant to be serving? Am I where I'm meant to be? Am I being and doing all God has called me to be and do? And it's been my observation that many Christians and even churches are suffering from a lack of understanding or revelation as to what it is they are meant to be doing and when they're meant to be doing it. This leads to individual and corporate frustrations, pointless practices, misguided separations, physical or spiritual exhaustion, where they are so, so busy doing the work, they forget who the master of the work is. Leading to demoralization, burnout, and backsliding. This state of uncertainty regarding the what, the when, the how, the whom, where trust is non-existent. It can also lead to physical or spiritual stagnation, where they are operating under past regulation and not current revelation. If Abraham had operated under past regulation, he'd have slain Isaac. Instead, he was malleable to the Holy Spirit. And a new revelation. I don't want you to slay Isaac now. Even jealousy and resentment can creep in towards those who seem fully activated in their calling. While it seems that ours appear small, ineffective, or totally elusive to us. For many individuals and even congregations end up doing nothing 
while they wait for God to somehow reveal to them their individual and corporate callings. While others who have no real revelation as to what they're meant to be doing plow time, energy, money, prayers, and practices into works that have not been ordered of the Lord, essentially ending up as busy fools. And because the Lord is not behind their efforts, they ultimately lead nowhere with little to no fruit. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. The Lord has told me to tell you today, there's work for this house. His work. But you and us down in Swansea, we got to chill out. And remember, it's his work. Give Jesus some praise. Give him some praise. For those individuals and congregations who are in this place, there is no peace, there is no rest. And like Martha, while Mary, uh, like Martha, while Mary rested at the Lord's feet, we can become exhausted, frustrated, and utterly demoralized. And a demoralized army is an army which is easily overthrown. Nothing a devil wants more than to demoralize God's army. Somebody said to me once that the Second World War was that Hitler lost the Second World War because of socks. That as his, his troops were walking into Russia, they had no socks and it was freezing cold. And they were a completely and utterly demoralized army because of socks. A demoralized army is an army easily overthrown. For those of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus as our saviour, those of us who know we are saved, we have to know that we are also called. We're not meant to be stuck in one place where we receive grace and it stops with us. We are meant to receive grace for one reason, and that is to be transformed from a recipient of grace to a transmitter of grace. Because it's his business. And it's always God's business, always God's business, to see Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross out-trumping the works of the enemy. That is always his business without variation. And we have been called by his amazing grace, plonkers like us. To facilitate the love of God in this world. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word of God? Okay. I want to read a couple of scriptures. Basically God has broken this message down into about ten parts. I'm going to try my best to get through them. Any preachers or teachers here will know that you have like twenty trays of food to serve. And you've got to... You've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, which ones he wants to actually put on the table. Father God, I hand over this word to you now. It is in me, Lord. It is in my spirit. It is in my heart. I give you my mouth. Lead me, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus was always about the Father's business. I want to read a couple of scriptures. Psalm 90, 17. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, 
and establish the work of our hands. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Isaiah 26, 12. Lord, you will grant us peace. All we have accomplished is really from you. We all know the story from Luke. Where they all went into Jerusalem for a massive party, big Jewish party. They were there for days, the equivalent of Woodstock for the Jews. (laughs) And they were all on their way back, and it was some day later that Mary and Joseph turned around and they said, well, anyone seen our boy? Three days later, they find Jesus in the temple. And they run up to him, and they are vexed. And they say, why have you done this to us? We've been looking everywhere for you. Your father's been out of his mind. And Jesus, the first words we hear the Lord Jesus speaking in the whole Bible, says, why were you searching for me here and there? Did you not know? I must be about my father's business. The first words Jesus speaks to us, he says, I am about my father's business. He never varied from that. Jesus had his, the right position. He had the right perspective. And in order for us to trust the Lord, and in order for us to be rested in the work that the Lord has for us, we have to remember the correct position of things. You are the creator. I am the created. Your mind is higher than my mind. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your heart is higher than my heart. Your plan is higher than my plan. Your purpose is higher than my purpose. I am the created. You are the creator. That is the correct order of things. And you look at any human atrocity, any wrongdoing by any one of us, it's always when we get that proportion wrong. Where our will, where our plan, where our purpose is elevated above that of the Lord's. But Jesus got it right from the beginning. Did you not know I must be about my father's business? So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father. A little side salad for you. I I work in in a company and there was a Jehovah's Witness there. Any Jehovah's Witnesses in that? No, okay. <laughs> but this Jehovah's Witness said to me, will you say you love God? I said, I do love God. He said, well, why don't you call him by his proper name? His name is Jehovah. And I said, well, what's your father's name? He said, Brian. I said, you call him Brian? 
He said, no. I said, what do you call him? Dad. I said, well, that's because of the relationship the two of you got, yeah? I didn't learn that. The Holy Spirit gave me that. He didn't just break the Sabbath. He called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Because it's his business. I'm just about his business. It wasn't out of a sense of religious duty. It wasn't out of a fear of condemnation or judgment. It was out of reverence. It was out of love. It was out of relationship. And that's the difference between Christianity. That's the difference between my salvation and every other religion out there is it's about a relationship not a religion. Having a relationship with Jesus will change you. Religion just teaches you to put barriers up. Think about that for a second. It's all about the relationship. And that's the relationship that Jesus had with the Father right from the beginning. It was always about his business. Do you know what the sevenfold anointing on Jesus? This is spoken of in Isaiah, some, I don't know, 500 years before Jesus was born. But it shows us the correct position of things, even for the Son of God. The sevenfold anointing, this is from Isaiah 11. This is how Jesus was to be recognized as the Son of God, as the Messiah. And the Jews missed it. Yes, this was their Torah. Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 3. The reign of Jesse's offspring. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of of the fear of the Lord. His delight, it says, was in the fear of the Lord. Out of all the anointing, the sevenfold anointing on Jesus, out of them all, knowledge, wisdom, power, might, out of them all, Jesus' delight was in the fear of the Lord. We're not talking, I've got to bring this in, 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 into, into spotlight. I haven't got time to major on it today. I've preached a few messages on the fear of the Lord. They're on podcasts. If you want to hear more about it, go on to the King's Church Swansea podcast and listen to them. But I, you have to understand, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. That's what the Bible calls it. It is his treasure. Out of all the sevenfold anointing on Jesus by the Holy Spirit, the one that he delighted in the most was the fear of the Lord. It is the correct position that we see God in. Out of love and out of reverence. And I'll tell you this. You cannot buy it. You cannot earn it. It is by grace. And only to those who have been called. Not by our own merit. Not by our own value system. Because I'll tell you what. I wouldn't be up here today. If that was the case. 
Our peace and our rest is rooted in the fear of the Lord. It is rooted in knowing who it is that we serve. It is rooted in knowing that he is all-powerful. He is almighty. He is a wonderful, merciful God whose mercy is made new every day. That is where our peace and our rest is rooted in. As the same it was for the Lord Jesus. Because the Father said about his business, Son, within my business now I need you to leave this shore and go over to that shore. Okay, Jesus said, because he said, I do nothing unless I see or hear the Father doing it. So Jesus jumps on a boat. The waves, the storm, the turmoil... Everyone freaking out. Everyone going, we're going to perish, we're going to die. Lord, don't you care? The Lord's having a kip. He's got his head down. Because of his relationship with the Father, he understands it's the Father's business. And that the Father said, you're going to go from there and I want you to go over there. He knew that nothing was going to stop that happening. His peace and his rest was rooted in who he knew his God was and that he knew his Father knew his own business. Give Jesus some praise. How are we doing for time? I think we're doing good. Chill out, there's loads to do. Normally when somebody says, look, we've got loads to do. I don't know what we're going to do. Is all this stuff's got to be done. They're trying to rally you up, aren't they? They're trying to rouse you up. Trying to light the fire underneath you. The Lord is saying to us today, come on, there's loads to do. Chill out. <laughs> Genesis 22, verses 6 to 8. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, gulp. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself. It's his business. And some of us are afraid to come to the throne of grace. It's called the throne of grace because it is the throne of grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But the Lord wants us to see it from another angle here. He's saying, you're coming to the throne of grace and asking for things that I need to give you to be who I've called you to be. It's my business. Don't come cap in hand. Don't be afraid to come to me because you messed up last week. You didn't read your Bible. God's not like, what's that guy from uh, Open All Hours? Arkwright. God's not like Arkwright behind his counter in his grocery shop. Where you come in and you think, Lord, I really need some grace here. I need some grace to, to go and speak to this person who's wronged me. I know that that's what you want me to do, Lord. I know that uh, you want me to look past this and want me to go over to this person. And you walk in and you walk up to the the counter with with, with a little pot of grace. And you look at the purchase price on it. And it says unaffordable. Because you can't earn it. And the law, and Arkwright, 
your idea or some, sometimes our idea of God is our great. Like, ah, well, yeah, that was a pretty good prayer. You prayed, you used Elizabethan English, 10 points. You used two scriptures, one of them was in context. <laughs> you read your Bible yesterday for 35 seconds. And you brought your missus some flowers. You can have a pot of grease. That's not God. God has supplied all our needs in one hamper called the Lord Jesus Christ. All in there. The price of that hamper you can never buy. It's yours by grace. And you want to know what's in that hamper? Go to Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 to 14. All the blessings of the Lord for anyone who follows his commands. Every single command all the time. Which none of us have ever done or will ever do apart from the Lord Jesus Christ who fulfilled it on our behalf. Now every single blessing of Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14, which encompasses every human need, is now ours in Christ Jesus. Every single one. Now if I cooked you a meal and I went out and I grew those vegetables myself and I plucked those vegetables myself and I raised the calf myself and I killed the calf myself and I prepared the meat and I went through all this trouble to cook you a meal, I'd want to see every pea devoured. (laughs) Every pea and morsel I would be chuffed if you sat there licking the plate. We do that in Swansea, by the way. (laughs) So do not leave a single scrap of Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 14 unclaimed. Because the price that that meal cost, the price that that hamper cost, is beyond measure. It is beyond price. It is beyond anything you can ever imagine as affordable. And it is yours by grace. Give Jesus some praise. God will provide for himself, Abraham said. This example from scripture perfectly illustrates the point the Holy Spirit is making today. Abraham was called. He was given a command. Abraham resolved to carry out the command. Isaac couldn't see where the provision was coming from. But Abraham had acquired over time such a revelation of who his God was. He knew that if God said something, it would come to pass. The very foundation of why Abraham was saved, why he was made righteous, was that he believed God. So much was Abraham's faith. If you even look, before they went up the mountain, he turned to the guys, the young men with him, and he said, you stay here with the donkeys. You know, sometimes God will leave some people with the donkeys while he takes you forward. If you step out in faith, and he said, me and the lad shall return. Yet he knew that God had said, I want you to slay him. That's faith. So he didn't know how, he didn't know what. But he knew that God would provide for himself because it's his business. As Abraham told told his son Isaac, the Lord will provide for himself. Why is this so important? Why is the Holy Spirit majoring on this point? Because it's in this knowledge that our, our rest lies. The knowledge that it's God's business. He will provide for himself. 
horses for courses. In the Lord's infinite wisdom, he has decided to use plonkers like you and I to build his church to indeed be his church. But he has not called us as individuals to be and to do the same things. Neither has he called one congregation to fulfill exactly the same calling as another congregation. A lot of churches trying to be the church down the road. Instead of focusing on the church that God wants them to be. A lot of people in congregations looking at the church down the road. Instead of looking at the house that the Lord has planted them in. God doesn't make mistakes. If you are in this house today, you give a shout out to Jesus because you are in exactly the right place for grace. Hallelujah. Romans 12, 3 to 8. For by grace given to me, I say to every single one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of, us has, uh, ha, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is to give, then give generously. So this passage wonderfully confirms these points. We belong to one body, one work, and it's his work. One body, one work, one business, it's his business. But remember the opening passage that I read. We are partners in that business. By grace, God has made us partners in that business. But it remains his business. Amen. We all have different functions within that work. We all have a measure of faith needed to operate in our function. We all have been given the grace we need to do what needs to be done, to be who he has called us to be. Whatever it is that the Lord has called you to be, it's his responsibility to give you the grace needed to get it done. You don't come into it. And I'm going to have to, I'm running out of time. So I'm going to have to do a synopsis of some of these points. We are caught in the crossfire of grace. It is the Lord's necessity, the only mechanism that the Lord can use to get his business done is to provide the grace needed. Because if it come down to us earning it, his business wouldn't get done. It's his business. When I was a welder fabricator, that's right. I wear that on my sleeve like a Vietnam badge. I served in Vietnam. Yeah, I was a welder fabricator at Talbot Steelworks. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
But when I was a welder fabricator, a job would come in to the man's business. He would need to get that job done. I wouldn't feel cheeky or disqualified going to the stores and saying, can I have a nine-inch grinder, please, to do the job that you have asked me to do? And if he turns around and says, ha-ha, no. Ha-ha-ha-ha. You didn't know God was Rick Mail, did you? Lick it up. <laughs> Pig. But God doesn't turn around and go, no, actually, you can't have a grinder. You must find some other way of doing it. Well, no, actually, I need a grinder. It's your business. It's your job. Can I hear an Amen. God needs us to rest in this. This is why he's asked me to share this with you today. To rest in it. We are caught in the crossfire of grace. Do we get blessed in, the, in between? Of course we do. Because God is love. And he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. His purpose. So we are caught in this crossfire of grace. God can't get his business done without the grace. This is why we, we, we have to go beyond just the fact of you can't earn it, you can't deserve it. We've got to start looking at, well, hang on a minute. God actually needs to give us the grace to get his business done. Hallelujah. We must remember it's the Lord's work, it's his will, and that his will, he will provide for himself. That all we are working together, uh, that we are all working together to achieve the same goal. The fulfillment of the Father's will. And within that, we have different functions, different giftings, different callings. And this is where the, the amen, this is where the, the, the rest is. Grace, not graft. Turn to somebody and say, grace, not graft. The rest is knowing that we're blessed in between. Praise God and coming to an end. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, the rest in, in the knowledge that God will provide for himself is not a license to do whatever you want and leave everything undone knowing that God's going to get it done in the end. That's not a license because you've been called. You have been called and you've been saved to serve. To be transformed into the image and the likeness inwardly of Christ. Where he said, not my will, Father, but yours. Not my business, but yours. Don't plow time and effort into something that's not your job to do. Be malleable to the Holy Spirit. David had a burning desire in his heart all his life to build a house to the Lord. It wasn't his job. God had given David the grace to be a giant slayer. 
to be a shedder of blood. And the Lord gave him all the grace he needed to be exactly what he, he had been called to do. Don't look at your neighbor and their calling. Don't look at the person next to you and think, well, their calling's bigger than mine. Listen, we've all got different parts to play. A Rolls-Royce engine will break down if a small cog breaks down. Don't despise your calling because someone else's seems more flamboyant. You are calling maybe to pastor a mega church like Dave. It might be to raise a son in the knowledge of God who turns out to be a pastor of a mega church. It is better to serve 10 minutes in the Father's will than a whole lifetime serving yourself. And you will have the grace you need to be what you've been called to be, to do what the Lord has called you to do. All the while, praise the Lord, all the while, as Abraham and Isaac were going up the mountain, they didn't have the provision needed Because the father's will, he knew what he was going to do. But they couldn't see it. And all the while, the grace was coming up the other side of the mountain. Totally invisible to them. Because the father knew the blood of Isaac wasn't going to redeem the world. Only the blood of his son could redeem the world. That's why they didn't have to labor to carry that. Ram up the hill. Because man isn't meant to labor for salvation. Only God can provide it, and he provides it by grace. David was called to be a giant slayer. God gave him everything he needed to slay giants. But his heart was to build a house to the Lord. That wasn't his job to do. He hadn't been given the grace to do that. Sometimes you're going to see things. You're going to want to do things. It's not your job. It's not your job. It's somebody else's job. And God won't give you the grace to do that job if it's not your job. You'll end up building a house without the Lord and your labor will be in vain. Solomon was given the grace to build the house to the Lord. Do you know what the word Solomon means? Peace and rest. Yet he worked every day. He worked every day fulfilling his calling, yet he was in peace and he was in rest. And the Lord said, I will keep your enemies from you. I will keep you in perfect peace while you do this job for me. Give Jesus some praise. Give him some praise. So chill out. There's loads to be done. Do you know what? In Swansea, about three weeks ago, there was uh, one of the churches had a conference, invited all the leaders and all the pastors to this conference, how to build your church. How to build your church. How to grow your church. And you can buy CDs, you can buy 
You can go to seminars, man. You can, I tell you something. Crack on. If you've got that much money, I'll have it. <laughs> do you want to know? And this is what the Lord showed me. And do you know what? Speaking of Tony, give, put your hand up, Tony. Tony there, me and Tony, right? From the streets, bro, innit? We understand the grace of God because he who has been forgiven much loves much. I've been invited up to Town Hill, which is where we are. The Lord said to me, Years ago, before he was even ordained as a pastor, he said, I want you to build a community church. There was no sign of it because the ram was coming up the other side of the hill. I couldn't see him. The mountain was in the way. But out of nowhere, about a month or about two months ago, one of the ladies who's been coming to our congregation, she lives up in the hill. And her house is like a safe haven for the young people. Guys and girls there. They went to all sorts, man. But they're off the street. That's the way she sees it. They're off the street. She's going through some stuff herself. But she invited me up to speak to these guys. She loves the Lord. We've had five salvations. One baptism. One guy, I prayed for him. He started speaking in tongues straight away. And three or four of them are coming to church now. That wasn't the intention. It wasn't the intention to go out into the community. Do you know what the Lord said to me? I said, Lord, Lord, what's going on here? We had people leaving. People leaving. Not by sight, but by faith. Amen. We had people leaving. We, we were like, I said, Lord, what's going on here? And he said to me, Div, I didn't set up a church in Jerusalem and expect people to come to me. Are you prepared to go out to them? And I am. And the fruit, the fruit. You want to know the secret to church growth and peace and rest for yourself and corporately? This is what the Lord showed me. And then almost Passover, almost scannable passage of Scripture. Acts 9.31. So the church throughout the whole of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was edified, growing in wisdom, virtue, and piety, and walking in the respect and reverential fear of the Lord and in the consolation and exhortation of the Holy Spirit continued to increase and was multiplied the fear of the Lord you are the creator I am the created it's your business here I am warts and all you knew what I was when you saved me I'm here use me and the leading of the Holy Spirit current revelation not past regulation and they had peace and they were edified and multiplied
give Jesus some praise. What is your calling? And even if you know your calling, there's going to be days, specific jobs, one-off missions. But in it all, the employer will and must always supply what is needed. He will provide the grinder needed to make the metal shiny. He will provide the grace to make you shiny. When I ground up at a metal man, the rust and the scale came off and underneath was bright, shiny, silver metal. The metal had never looked so wonderful as when the grinder was put to it. But I didn't put the grinder to it just to make it look pretty. I put the grinder to it because it had a function. It had a job. God's grace towards you is because he loves you but it is also because he needs you to do a day's work. He needs you to perform a function. I want to pray now for a few people. I want to pray. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity now. As you've heard me speaking, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is by faith and just believe the words that I've told you now. If you want to get right with God, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Then I want to pray for people who are not serving at this present time. This house needs you. This house needs you. If you are not serving, that is not God's intention. You might not know what it is that your full calling may not have been revealed when mine wasn't revealed either. I just served wherever the Lord asked me to serve. There was need of somebody to head up a prayer team. I'll do it. There was need of somebody to sing in the praise and worship team. I'll do it. There was need of somebody to help fill out your help fill out there. I'll do it. I ended up not having any of those things now as my main calling. But it's like the, 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 the oh Lord, you've got to stop me. See, this is what happens on this Swansea. They've got to peel my fingers off the pulpit. <laughs> now I want to preach. Leave me alone. The master of the house, imagine a big lord, a big estate, and a massive big mansion with millions of rooms. I want you to picture this. And you turn up there day one. You don't know anyone. Don't know where you're meant to be. You don't know what it is you're meant to be doing. And you go up to the lord of the manor and you say, well, here I am. I don't know what you can use me for. And he says, see Johnny over there, he's building a fence. Go and ask him if he needs a hand. So you go over to Johnny, he says, yeah, can you hold the wood? You hold the wood for him. Can you hold some nails? Great, can you pass me the hammer? And you help Johnny out for four days. In the end, you're putting panels up with Johnny. In the end, Johnny says, I need to go to the loo. You say, don't worry, Johnny, I'll carry on by you. When you finish there, go and see Phil. He's putting some windows in. And you go and do the same with Phil. And then you go and help Roger, who's putting a, hanging a door. And over two or three years, you go around all the jobs, helping, wondering, what's my calling? What am I meant to be doing? 
And then the lord of the house comes up. He says, I want you to build me a shed. And you say, but I've never built a shed. He say, no, I know. But you helped Roger put a roof on there. And you helped him put the slats up there. And you helped him put the windows in there. Now I appoint you chief shed builder. <laughs> Give Jesus a praise. Now, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, you want to have some of this grace, you want to have an experience of love of God, then I'm going to give you the opportunity now. I need everyone to bow their heads. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. You want to get right with God now. It is no accident you're here. This day was ordered of the Lord before the world started spinning. You are exactly where you're meant to be right now. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've been through. Right here, right now is the day that the Lord has ordered. You are exactly where he has called you to be. Say this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross in my place. I believe that you have taken my punishment for everything I have ever done wrong upon your body, upon that cross 2,000 years ago. And that through that, I am forgiven. I accept your forgiveness now. Thank you, Jesus. I don't deserve it, but I accept it. And I invite you now to come into my heart. Live in me. Show me your business. I submit myself to you to do your will. Thank you, Jesus, for accepting me as part of your family. Amen.